a moment for the stampede to take away. Oh, I just appreciate Toph and Jess and the rest of the, the worship team this morning just taking us where we needed to be. You know, you, just, you should be able to come to church and find peace and find rest. And uh, there's one line in that song. Let me see if I can find it here. It says, you've brought me here to rest and you've given me space to breathe. So I'll stay until it sinks in. I know for some of us that takes a little bit longer some days than others. You know, it's like I, I've got so many things like going on. I'm just wrapped up, going, 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 going. It's like, no, stay until it sinks in. Stay until the rest that you find in the presence of God, at the throne of God, gets in on the inside of you. So that then when you are out there and everybody else is going crazy and doing things, you're just like, no, I'm going from a place of rest and a place of peace. And we should be able to find that ab amongst our brothers and sisters in Christ. Yes. If, you, if you need peace, if you need rest, you got to make sure you get to church. If you need something throughout the week, come on, call a friend, call a prayer partner, somebody who knows how to pray and believe and bring the presence of God in. Man, we got to take time to let it on the inside of us. We're living in days where we can't afford to get out of peace. He said that his peace would guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Man, we've, we've got a, one step out of peace is a step too far. One step out of love is a step out too far. We need to let ourselves be filled up to the overflow. We need to let that, that infilling of the Holy Spirit become so saturated in us that it just begins to leak out of our pores wherever we go. Come on, you think about the, how they used to anoint people? They would pour a big bowl of oil on their head, and it would go down, and it would just start dripping. You know how hard oil is to wipe off? It's like, it's just like it just gets smeared on everything, and, you know, it just, it's everywhere. It doesn't come out of things. You know, funny story is that we, we've, uh, we used to have, uh, 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 I think, it, I don't know, somebody brought anointed olive oil or something like that back from Jerusalem on one of their visits. And like, oh, you should have this for praying for the sick. I'm like, oh, that's great. I don't often feel led to go that direction, so it went in the box with our prayer cloths. And then a little while back, that as I was going through and cleaning some things out, I noticed that the top had popped off, and it just completely went through all of the prayer cloths. I'm like, well, if it's going to spill on something, it might as well spill on them. <laughs> Doubly anointed. We pray over them, but now they've been anointed with oil, too. Come on, we've got to let ourselves just be anointed in His presence and just let it flow through us. You know, the book of John says that you have an anointing or you have an unction from the Holy One. Man, you're smeared when you get into His presence. You know, it's, it brings the spirit of unity, as the book of Psalms said. It's like when, when people get together in unity, it's like oil dripping down upon the head and upon the beard. And he said, that's where I've commanded my blessing, peace forevermore. Hallelujah. Well, let's get on the direction we're going to be going this morning. We're going to continue on in our series that was never meant to be a series. It was only supposed to be a one-off, but every time I sit down to go on to the next thing that I thought we were going to, it's like there's different aspects keep rising up in my heart. So we're going to go week four in the series that wasn't supposed to be a series. And I will not apologize to it because I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying myself. You know, I'd rather be doing what he wants us to be doing than trying to preach a message that I want to preach, right? And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, it says, Lest Satan should take advantage of us, we're not ignorant of his devices. 
lest he should take advantage. And as I've been trying to remind you every week, it says he takes advantage because he does not have the advantage. And who's he trying to take the advantage from? You. Me. We have the advantage in Christ Jesus. Man, if we could only get a greater revelation of who Jesus has made us to be through the work of the cross, there's no wonder the enemy wants to take that advantage, but he can't unless you give it to him. Come on. I hope these things have been stirring in you and that when different situations rise up and happen in your life, you're like, nope, I will not take the bait. I know it's been great for me. Even this morning, I woke up, and I just woke up in an annoyed mood. It was like everything was annoying. Nothing was going right. And, and it was just like, like uh-uh-uh, devil. Nope, nope, nope. We are not going down this route. We're not going down this route today. And, you know, like sometimes you get here to church, and everything just goes great. And this, today was not one of those days. You know, we got up to, you know, sound test to make sure everything's going, and the system was out of whack, and the, everything was out of balance. And it was like, nope, nope, nope. Not today, devil. Because he's going to try and throw obstacles in your way, but when you know what his devices are, you just go, no, thank you. I do not accept. I do not consent to your working in my life today or any other day. Come on. So he'll try and take advantage, but he does not have the advantage. You do. Say, I do. I do. You know, Something that popped up in me, it wasn't part of my message. I actually had to do it right before we walked up on, on uh, service today. And in Luke chapter 22, verse 31, this is what Jesus was saying to Peter. And he said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. This is Jesus. He's, he's just exposing the devil's plan to Peter before he even walked into the trap. He said, Satan wants you. He wants to sift you as wheat. And there's been times where he's wanted to do things in your life. And God knows about it ahead of time. And he is not keeping it to himself. If we listen on the inside to the voice of the Holy Spirit, he will get you around situations before you ever have to even step into them. Every weapon that the enemy means for you, he turns around and uses for your good. Every obstacle that he lays in front of you, you can use as a stepping stone when we listen to the Holy Spirit because he knows exactly what's going to happen before you got there. And so Jesus just goes ahead and just springs the trap before Peter and says, Satan want, has asked for you, and he wants to sift you as wheat. But here's what Jesus said after that. He said, but I have prayed for you. Come on. Jesus was praying for him. He says, that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. And so Jesus even knew at this point, he's like, I prayed for you that your faith would stand, but I already know that you're going to go ahead and deny me three times. You're going to do it. Peter, you're already going to walk into the trap, so I've already saw it, and I've already prayed for the other side, so that when you have returned. And the great thing is we get to see this return played out on the pages of the Bible in John chapter 21. After Jesus has been risen from the dead, he's already met with his disciples a few times, and then we have Peter and John are fishing. They've gone back to what they were doing before Jesus even called them. They're out there fishing, and they're not really having a great time. 
They're, they're not ca catching that much. But when Jesus shows up on the scene, all of a sudden their net is filled with a lot of large fish. It didn't even say small fish. It said large fish. I believe it was 153 large fish so that they had to like try and drag the net in. And as they come in, you think that Jesus just provided these large fish. Oh, he can have some of those. And oh, he already had a fire with fish on the coals. Didn't even need the provision of the 153 large fish. He says, guys, come on, let's sit down. And he says to Peter, Peter, do you love me? He says, you know I do, Lord. Feed my sheep. And he says again, Peter, do you love me? He says, you know I do, Lord. Feed my sheep. And then a third time, he says, Peter, do you love me? And we have to understand that Peter actually swore here. You know I do. And he used a curse word. And Jesus said, feed my little lambs. For every denial, there was a mercy. For every action that stepped away from God, there was a forgiveness. Whew, come on. I feel the presence of God on that this morning. Some of us wear our hurts and our problems that have been in our lives for many years for every transgression grace much more abounds and there is forgiveness and it says that he put it under the blood so far it says that he doesn't even he says your sins and your deeds I will remember no more when did he apply the blood at the cross and so if he's forgotten and he's forgiven it says he's put it as far as the east is from the west so that you could never find them we need to do the same and so for every denial was a forgiveness and a mercy there was a revealing of what the enemy wanted but God also knew what he wanted for Peter he saw beyond the event he saw beyond the transgression and he prayed your faith will stand if we go back all the way back to Genesis in the beginning see this is not a new trait for God we have Cain and Abel the first two sons that are born Adam and Eve and they both bring sacrifices, and Abel's is acceptable, and Cain's is not. And we can get into why, why it was not acceptable another time. But after, Cain was like, man, my, my sacrifice got rejected, and he was mad. And this is what God said to Cain. He said, why are you angry, and why has your countenance fallen? He says, if you do well, you will, be not, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you but you everyone say me should rule over it and so he's saying this is not a problem Cain that's just not the type of sacrifice I want and just go ahead and do the right one and it'll be fine don't let this anger take you down a road in which you don't want to go because sin is right at that door it's waiting for you to open up and it says it wants you but you can rule Say, I rule. Come on. We're going a little bit different direction than I thought we were going to go this morning. But it's all in the theme of what we started last week. And it's when you become your own worst enemy. We blame the enemy and we blame the devil for a lot of things that go on in our lives when really it was just our fault. Come on. With Peter, Jesus told them what was going to happen and he still walked right into it. 
if you know and you do it anyways, you can't blame someone else for it. And that's the reason why we don't like this type of topic when we think, talk about things, is because we always want a way out. Say, it wasn't my fault. It was the circumstances I was dealt. Come on. It was the family I was born into. It was my bad boss or my bad fellow uh, workers. You know, we like to have a way out. But there's power in owning it. Come on. There's power in owning it. That was my fault. I'm sorry, God. I know that's not what you wanted. This it wasn't what your idea was for the situation. I'm sorry. I ask for forgiveness. Come on. Think about that. And it says that if, if we've done anything, we just confess our faults to him, and he is faithful to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 9. And we often miss the picture there. When it talks about cleansing from all unrighteousness, the words that are used in the Greek are akin to washing the dishes. What happens when you cook a meal? The pots and pans get dirty. You serve the meal, you eat, down, you, eat you got now got plates and forks and knives. So what do you do? You put them in the sink, and you wash the food and dirt off. Why is that important? The sins in your transgressions don't change your nature in God. It's just like grass, grass stains on your clothes. What do you do? You put them in the wash. And he's faithful to cleanse us. A little bit of food on the plate didn't change its nature. It's still a plate. It's just a dirty plate. And so he cleans it. Come on. And so when we become our own worst enemy, the enemy doesn't even have to get involved. If he can get you trained in your habits and in your thinking to run certain routes, he doesn't even have to get involved with us. But the thing is, if you can train yourself to go those routes, you can train yourself to go God's routes. And so when you become your own worst enemy, you can also be your biggest help by coming into alignment with God. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, it says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, everyone say me, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, and he gives the solution. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. There is a shockwave to your good choices. Come on. Choose life that not just you, but your family. This is something that i got to be better at. My children are watching me. Your children, your grandchildren, they're watching you. They watch when you choose life. They watch when you go through situations and you're like, oh, this wasn't the right way to go. You know, I'm so thankful for having godly parents. Our life was not perfect, <laughs> I can tell you that. But I am so thankful for growing up watching them believe God. And not just believing for us, but believing with us. They would say, guys, this is what we need. We're going to ask God, we're going to believe, and we're going to walk it out together. Man, I remember for months driving that, that uh, van that was breaking down. Well, we were, every morning we would get in, get in the van to go to church. We'd have to stop, and we'd, uh, around the corner there was a lady we had to pick up every week. And when she would get in, we'd all say together, God, we thank you for our new vehicle that we need. This one's on his last leg. 
And we walk that out, believing God together. And you know that there was not just joy in their lives when the vehicle came through. There was joy in our lives, and we learned how to believe God. And so here in Deuteronomy, he's talking to the children of Israel, and it's the same way for you today. He set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life. Choose, choose, choose. Here's the answer. Choose it. And you think, well, that's just an Old Testament thing, Pastor Jordan. What about for our, us in the New Testament? Well, let's go to the book of James in chapter 3. And in verse 10, he says, Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. And my brethren, these things ought not to be so. So how do you choose when an option is set before you? If we're going back to Deuteronomy 30, how do we choose? We say, I'll take that one, and not that one. I don't want that one. I want this one. It's like when you're out shopping for clothes, and you pull something off the rack, and you're like, no, back on you go. Oh, this one's pretty nice. I'll, I'll take this one. Put it, go put it in the cash for me. Come on. We choose. We're actively involved in our choices. Whether we like that or not. <laughs> There's aspects of like, God, I don't want to choose. I don't want this decision. The, the, uh, sorry to carry Underwood. There is no Jesus take the wheel. You're going to wrap your car around a tree. Because he didn't say, I'll live your life for you, and I'll believe for you, and I'll do it for you. But he did say he'd work with you. Lo, I'll always be with you, even unto the end of the age. Come on. He said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And so we believe with him. He doesn't believe for us. It says, so out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. And my brothers and sisters, this should not be the way. And so when he's, James is talking about the mouth here in chapter 3, if we back up to verse 5, it says, even so, the tongue is a little member. And it boasts great things, but see how great a forest a little fire kindles. Isn't that so true? It only takes a little match, a little spark on a little bit of dry timber, and then things go up. You know, we were doing some spring cleaning yesterday in our yard, and there was a big pile of brush. And I had done some fires in the winter, you know, cleaning up some stuff that we needed to burn. And so Robin saw the pile, and she's like, well, why, why didn't you burn that in the winter? He's like, oh, I tried. I, I put some cedar, some cut down cedar on that fire and it went and little little sparks and embers all through the winter forest which you know that's not a very green forest, it's a dry forest and so that first one went and Harrison was like oh listen to that sound, the sizzle and the he's like throw some more on and I'm like no that's why the pile's still there there's certain things you burn when it's green right and so how much of a little spark can set off a whole forest? How some little wor words can change the course of your life that you're living right now? I like how the message translation says it in verse 5 and 6. It says, it only takes a spark, remember, to set off a forest fire. A careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that. By our speech, we can ruin the world. Turn harmony into chaos throw mud on our reputation and send the whole world up in smoke and go up and smoke with it. Smoke right from the pit of hell. 
And so our words are important. God has given us power in our words. That's how you believed and were saved, right? He said, if you confess with your mouth what you already believe in your heart, you shall be saved. He said, all those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He's put power in your words and what you believe to shift the direction. James also said the tongue is like just a little rudder on a giant ship. You turn it one way and the whole ship turns. It, it's like the bit in a horse's mouth. The horse is a mighty being. It's stronger than you. But you pull on those reins and it'll turn. And so is our mouths. And so we have to remember back to two weeks ago when Jesus was talking to the Pharisees in John chapter 8, verse 44. He said, you're of your father the devil and the desires of your father you want to do. And when he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. And so he told them, the, the devil is speaking lies, and you're parroting them. He said, he, remember we had this conversation back and forth, that he was saying, you're speaking of your father, and I'm speaking from my father. And they're like, we're not, we're not illegitimate children. And he's like, if you were of the same father, you wouldn't be trying to kill me right now. You wouldn't be resisting me when I say that I'm going to die for the sins of the world. And so he recognized there was two sources. He was listening to God, and they were listening to the devil. And the devil was lying to them, and they were repeating the same old lies. Another conversation Jesus had with the Pharisees was in Matthew chapter 12, though. And he said, verse 33, either make the tree good, and its fruit good, or make the tree bad, and it's fruit bad, for a tree will be known by its fruit. And he said, you brood of vipers, or you bunch of snakes. Jesus didn't, didn't hold back his words when he was dealing with the religious. He was always seasoned with grace and love with those who were not of the religious law. But when it came to them, he didn't mince words. He flipped the tables, he drove them out, he said, you guys are a bunch of whitewashed sepulchers, you know, a bunch of empty graves. Here he says they're a bunch of snakes, and he says, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What's on the inside ends up coming out and being spewed on those around us. And so if he said, make the tree good and its fruit good, and the tree bad and its fruit bad, what's the fruit that you'll be known for? Most people will remember what you said and how you made them feel long after what they saw what you've done. With a few words, you can turn their hearts so they won't remember any of the good that you've ever done them. Come on. I know this is a little bit heavier than what we've been going with things lately. But he said, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasures of his heart brings forth evil things. And he says, but I say to you that for every idle word that men may speak, they'll give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you'll be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. And so I want to set you at ease here for a second. What words are you going to be justified by and which ones? When it comes to whether you stand at the judgment seat or the reward seat, the bema seat of God. You want to know what those words are? I receive Jesus. <laughs> Come on. We're not saved by our works. We're saved by grace through faith, lest anyone should boast. Yeah. 
But that doesn't mean that your idle words are still not shifting your life right here on earth. Back and forth, all over the place. And that's why Solomon said, guard your heart above all else. For out of it determines the course of your life or flows the issues of life. When we, when we guard our heart, out of the abundance of the heart, our mouth starts flapping. So we guard our heart so that when we speak, we speak with purpose, we speak with intention, we speak with authority, and we speak what we actually mean. The book of Proverbs also says that a silent fool is thought to be wise. <laughs> a few less words and people will think a little bit higher of you, right? Come on. <laughs> so David understood this, this, uh, this uh, concept that we're talking about, the words of his mouth. And here's his prayer in Psalm 141. You ready for this? Verse 2 says, Let my prayer be set before you as an incense. Okay, pause right there for a second and let's remember. What did Re uh, Revelation chapter 5 say about the prayers of the saints? It says that the elders offer them before God in golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Come on, I just wanted to make that connection so you remember. He says, let my prayer be set before you as an incense, that the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. And keep watch over the doors of my lips. Come on. Set a guard over my mouth. You know, we think about this. I think this David played this out so much in the Psalms. Where he sits down and he starts writing a song. He's got his little harp. Ring, ding, 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 ding. Oh, this day has sucked so much. <laughs> my enemies are all around me. Everybody wants to kill me. Man, even the king was throwing a spear at me today. Come on, these are all things that David has said. Just maybe in a little more modern context. And then it's like he hits the point and he's like, oh wait, that's not a good thing for me to be saying right now. Oh Lord, I will lift up my eyes unto the hills. Where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and of earth. Come on, he always would catch himself. He's like, no, let's shut the doors to those words. Let's open the floodgates of what God has actually said. Come on. And so he says, set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. He said, do not incline my heart to any evil thing, to practice wicked works with men who work iniquity, and don't let me eat of their delicacies. He said, let the righteous strike me. This is what he's saying. He's like, come on. Have someone correct me when I need it. When I'm getting off and my mouth is flapping when it shouldn't be, shut up. You need to be a little silent. <laughs> I say, Toph, if you're going to sit right in the front, right row, you're going to get picked on. <laughs> he says, it shall be a kindness. Someone's hitting you and saying, quiet, quiet. It shall be a kindness. And let him rebuke me. It shall be as an excellent oil. Come on. He says, and, and let not my head refuse it. Whew, come on. Let not my head refuse that oil, the presence of God that restores my soul. It, it focuses me back to where I need to be focused on. And he says, for still, my prayer is against the deeds of the wicked. So if my prayer is against what they do and I don't want, that means I need to stop talking like they talk because they're eating the fruit 
and that's where they're going. Okay. If he can train you to speak in opposition to the word and the promise of God, he doesn't even have to get involved. Because you're opening doors you don't want to walk through. You're creating highways you never want to drive down. And he never even had to push you that way. Because he trained us that way. So, what do we do? How do we work against this then? If we know that's the ploy, right? That he wants to get your habits and your words focused in the wrong direction. What do we do? Because it's not enough to know the plan, right? Peter knew the plan and still walked into it. He still walked flat right into it and had to come back. But Jesus knew he would do it. So how do we work against this? Well, let's look at back to G what Jesus said in his interaction with Peter in Matthew chapter 16. You doing all right? Yes. Matthew chapter 16. And in verse 21, we read two weeks ago that from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day. So Jesus is revealing the plan. He's like, guys, we are about to go to Jerusalem just so you're not freaking out before it happens. And when it happens, I'm going to die, but it's okay. I'm going to get raised up. Think about it. Jesus just told them the plan, right? And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall not happen to you. This is not going to happen. And as much as sometimes you, you see things and you're like, I don't want this to happen, follow through what God has asked you to walk in. Because even if it looks a little scary up ahead, he knows how to keep that which is committed unto him. God is able to make you stand. He is able to keep you from falling. Come on, I'm just quoting scriptures there. That's what he said about you. Come on. You know, sometimes people are like, no, Pastor Jordan, you said, and then you got to go, nope, nope, nope. The word said. Let's get this straight. You know, I try to use a lot of scriptures because I want it to be more of what he said than I said. That's important. Let your words be few, and let his be many. He says, far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen. And so Jesus turned to him and said, everyone say, said, get behind me, Satan. So how did Jesus counteract the devil trying to use Peter to get him off track? He said, no. He said, no. If you haven't seen the, uh, the, the midweek hunger from about four weeks ago called no, you need to go see it. You need to go watch it. Find it at wordchurch.ca forward slash the hunger. No is an anointed word. It is a powerful word. It says, here's the line, you don't cross. So he didn't mince words with this. He says, get behind me, Satan. And so we need to become comfortable with voicing our opposition and dissension to thoughts and feelings that don't line up with the word of God and his calling and his promise for you. When was the last time a thought came through that you're not going to make it and you said, no, I am going to make it. I am going over. Whatever I'm seeing right now shall turn around and be used for my good. 
We need to become comfortable with voicing our opposition. Now, when this opposition comes through the mouths of others, it doesn't mean you need to be rude. But you can politely say, no, that's not going to happen. No, I don't agree with that. And then just tell them nicely what will happen. You don't need to be rude to people. But don't let other people seed your garden. Of your thoughts and words, definitely don't take other people's negative words and put them in your mouth. Come on. So we need to become comfortable voicing our opposition and dissension to thoughts and feelings that are contrary to the word of God and his promise. Just like Paul said to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 10, he said, casting down arguments. How do you cast things down? You grab them and you pull them down. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. It's okay to say no. I'm going to free you of that burden right now. It's okay. Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Say no. No, I won't go that route. No, this is not, this sickness won't be unto death. No, I am going to be able to pay the bills this month. No, you shall not come any further. So, if we need to become comfortable voicing our dissension, we also need to become comfortable voicing our agreement and acceptance of God's directed realities. The things that he said, the promises he's spoken over you, the vision that he's implanted in your heart for the direction you should go, agree. Say yes. Because Psalms 107.2 says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Did you forget what we were talking about? I'm not ignorant of his devices. I know that what he's trying to do, and it says here, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Go ahead and say, ah, devil, ha, 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 I'm redeemed. I've been bought with a price. I am not my own. I will walk the path that he's called me to walk. I'm going to walk through this. It doesn't matter what you throw in my way. I'm going to go ahead and step over it, and I'm probably going to boot you in the teeth right as I'm doing it. Come on. As we've been saying all every week in this message, you don't have to be nice to the works of the enemy. You do not have to be nice. You need to be nice to people. You need to be loving to them. But don't be nice to the devil. Boot them. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I am redeemed. I am blessed. I am highly favored. I am who God has called me to be. I am an overcomer. I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. It's not because of what I've done. It's because of the work of Jesus. Come on, his grace is more than enough than compared to what I can bring to the table and my strength. Come on, I have been justified by faith. I have been declared righteous. I stand in the state of acceptable before God. I am righteous, not because of what I've done. Come on, he who knew no sin became sin for me that I might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I have been reconciled to God, so therefore I will reckon myself dead in the past things and alive unto Christ. Come on, it is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live is merely Jesus just borrowing my body. Come on, I love that translation of Galatians 2. Come on. We, we bring ourselves into agreement and we voice our acceptance. Yes. Paul told the, the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 4, he said, And since 
we have the same spirit of faith, meaning both of us have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. And he said, we, collectively, we also believe and therefore speak. And so when it comes to the things of faith, there's never been a silent miracle. You look at David when he took on Goliath. He said, how dare you raise yourself up against the army of God's God. I am going to take you down and I'm going to cut off your head. And then he followed through and he did it. But he didn't go out there and go like, whew, that's pretty big. Man, I'm kind of regretting my decision right now. <laughs> Maybe I should have taken that armor that Saul was trying to give me. Five stones? Is that enough? That guy's forehead looks a little thick. <laughs> Maybe I should have brought a sword. He's got, he's got a shield bearer. Maybe I should have brought somebody with me. Surely, hey, hey, does anybody want to join me out here? Come on, guys. He ran at his giant with his mouth filled with words of faith and acceptance of the covenant in which he lived in. Right. Whew. He may have been the only person in Israel that remembered the covenant that day. And you may be the only one in your day that remembers the covenant, but that shouldn't stop you from walking into it if everybody else doesn't. Yeah. Come on. So he says, we have be also believe and that we therefore speak. Why? Knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Come on. Some things aren't happening to you. They are happening for you. As an opportunity for you to say, yeah, that wall's not that big. Let's go ahead and break it down. That army doesn't look so fierce. Give me my sword. Let's go. Let's deal with this. Actually, I only need you today. The rest of y'all can have the day off. We're going at this. Come on, let a spirit of faith rise up on the inside of you and go ahead and take situations of your life by the horns and make them submit. He says, therefore, we don't lose heart. Even though the outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. That means that when you wake up in the morning, it's like, whew, I'm not broken down. I'm not beaten I'm not defeated. I was renewed for today, the day that I stand in. And he says, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding weight of eternal glory. While we do not look at things that are seen, but at things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So, which one did you agree with? What you saw or what he said? And today we can all nod and say, what he said, but I'm not with you tomorrow. You can call me if you need it. But tomorrow, is it what you saw or what he said. These are the things we're exposing so that when you're in the situation, 
you can stand strong. Come on. You know, people have been telling me already since we've been preaching this is like, I'm so glad you said it because I saw it that week. Okay, so let's see this played out then. If that's how it is, we should see the example in the Word, right? It's our example for living. It's, it was written for our learning. Well, what about Jesus? In Luke chapter 4 and verse 1, it says, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, he returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And you always think that, oh, Holy Spirit, you're going to lead me somewhere that's grand and great. Sometimes he'll take you in the wilderness so that he can show you some things, so that he can lead you in a path that others can't walk. And he needs to get you away from other people and other things. That doesn't mean he brings sickness to your body. Nope. Doesn't mean he brings hardship your way. Nope. But he'll use that. He'll be like, okay, this is the situation we're in. We're not dealing with where we're not. We're dealing with where we are. And he'll teach you where you are today. Because where you are today is not where you're going to be tomorrow, right? We're moving. We're moving forward, right? And so the Holy Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness, and it says, being tempted for 40 days. He wasn't led into the wilderness to be tempted, but while he was there, he was tempted. And it says, by the devil, and in those days he ate nothing, and afterwards, when they had ended, he was hungry. So he hasn't eaten in 40 days. And we kind of look at it like the devil was there all 40 days trying to tempt him. No. He waited till he was hungry. Till he was vulnerable. Why? Because he doesn't have the advantage. He wants to take the advantage. And then the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. Isn't this the same trick he played in the garden? Did God really say that you can't eat of all the trees? If you are the Son of God, he has no new tricks. They're all the same. He does the same thing over and over and over again. So if he did it for Eve and he did it for Jesus, he'll try and do it for you. Say, not me. But Jesus answered and said, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but every word of God. How do you answer? With your mouth. So the devil brought an accusation, and Jesus said, no, this is how it is. And he quoted the word, Deuteronomy 8.3. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the earth and the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give to you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me to give to whomever I wish. He was not lying here. Adam had given him his lease. And Jesus was about to do a work on the cross where he's going to take the, the keys of death, hell, and the grave and go, how's that head of yours, devil? So it's not that he was lying to Jesus, but Jesus knew something higher, right? And so he says, therefore, if you'll worship me, all will be yours. And again, Jesus answered him and said, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Deuteronomy 6.13 and Deuteronomy 10.20. 
Come on, are we getting the theme of how we combat the works of the enemy? He says, then he brought him to Jerusalem, and he set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written. Oh, now the devil's quoting the word to him. Come on, you haven't lived until you've heard the devil speak the word into your ears. And that's why it's for you to understand the spirit behind it, right? And understand the context, because you can make the Bible say anything you want to if you take it out of its context. And so the, the enemy says to him, he shall give his angels charge over you, Jesus. They'll keep you, Psalm 91. And in their hands they shall bear you up unless you dash your foot against a stone. This is important to remember. Just because it says something, you have to understand what the timing is. It doesn't mean you climb up to the top of this building and jump off. Or we're going to be calling you an ambulance. Or maybe the morgue. Come on. People do some stupid things sometimes because they think this is what they need to do. That's why we cultivate an atmosphere of his presence and an, a, a listening heart so that we know what to do, when to do it. That's important. And so the devil speaks the word to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Three temptations, three defenses from Jesus. And it says, Now, when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. When is an opportune time? When Jesus is not strong. When Jesus is not, back in a weakened state. He's always going to try and pick on you at your weak moments. And that's why we need to learn, I've come here to rest. I'm just going to breathe you in, Lord. So that we don't have those moments of weakness where he can instigate us. So he left, but what about Jesus? It says, then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. You would think a hungry man at a weak moment, just spent 40 days, and then at the end is tempted by the devil, he'd come out being like, okay, let me get some food. Let me take a moment. Let me maybe go spend some time with Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'll go home and visit my mom. No. When you stand against the enemy, you don't stand alone. When you stand against him, there is an endowment of power for you. And no matter what you try, you can't do it on your own. But he'll say, it's okay. I'm here. And in the end, you're coming out stronger. He said he returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went through all of the surrounding area. And the enemy has no new, no new plans. No new ideas, no new thoughts, and as we've seen him do thus far in the word, he'll try to do for you, but not today, devil. Ha, ha, ha. Come on. Not today, de devil. Not today, devil. Ha, ha, ha. Go ahead and say this with me. I hunger. I hunger for you, God. I hunger for all that you have for me. I hunger for your word. I hunger for your presence. I thank you that I will stand in the glory of God. Oh, come on, let's say that one again. I thank you that I stand in the glory of God. Come on, I thank you, Lord, that no weapon formed against me, it shall not prosper. 
all those who rise up against me will fall because I am not ignorant. I am not ignorant. And so, Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word which reveals things to us. We thank you for your words which are life, that they are health to our flesh. Thank you, Lord, that in every situation I walk with you and we win. We win. Hallelujah. So maybe you're here this morning or you're watching via the internet and you haven't made Jesus the Lord of your life. Today is the day. Today is the day to step out of darkness and step into light. It is the day that you call upon the name of the Lord and you are saved. And it's not like it's a big to-do thing. It says just call on his name. So why don't we do that with you? Everyone say, Father, I ask for Jesus. I receive him into my life right now. I turn from all else. And I declare you as Lord. This is a new day for me. In Jesus' name. And if you just prayed that prayer with us, we would love for you to get in contact with us. We would love to get some resources into your hands and get you hooked up with a good church in your area. If you're in the Smith Falls area, we say welcome home. We'd love to walk this journey together with you. Now, guys, if you need absolutely prayer for anything, our Word Care team is going to be right up here at the front. They would love to pray with you. They'd love to believe with you. They would love to celebrate with you if you've got a great testimony of things going on in your life. Don't leave church without being refreshed and restored and supported. Amen? Well, if you want to give today, you can do so at wordchurch.ca forward slash give. Or there's uh, envelopes in the front and baskets at the back, whatever you choose to do. We just say thank you for partnering together with us. Guys, we have awesome days ahead. There are awesome things ahead. There's a reason why the Holy Spirit wants you to know these things. It's because there's things ahead of you that you're going to be like, <laughs> no. So get your no in line, get your yes in line, and go ahead and use them. You guys are blessed. Have a wonderful week. Let's have some coffee and some great conversations.